Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Rangers are champions. Well, in the Highlands at least, and it's Brora Rangers. Hearts ask players and staff to take a 50% wage cut. And who actually knows when the football will return? Well, I'm Andrew Slavin, and somewhere over the hill and far away, a man with all the answers is JJ Bull. Hello, I'm on the other side of London from you. Also this is, in isolation. This, this, is e- <laughs> this is East meets West via, yeah, a really strange... So we are basically recording this podcast remotely. East End boys, West End. How have you been uh, doing, JJ? How is everything? Well... Andrew, the problem is that, you see, tomorrow morning we were supposed to be going up to Scotland to go and do the live shows of this podcast, but obviously yeah. we can't now because uh, a disease has ruined the world. And so we're now... <laughs> it's not ruined yet. But yeah, pretty disappointing. I was, I was yes. actually still going to travel up to Scotland today, so I was, going to, I was thinking I was going to be doing this podcast in Scotland, but we decided against it for obvious reasons. It's probably wise. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not often wise, but yeah, I think I've called this one right. How have you been keeping yourself entertained? I've seen you on Twitter giving tips on Football Manager. I, I can see you right now wearing your Aberdeen top. What, what, what era is that um, Aberdeen top? I think it's nineteen ninety five. It's the away top. Uh, I think it's was it your dad's? And now no, you got, I got <laughs> it. He wouldn't wear an Aberdeen top. Yeah, Aberdeen away nineteen ninety five. A classic shirt. It's pretty cool. Anyway, Football Manager. What have you been saying? Uh, I've not been playing much I've been working still so like we talked about a bit last week I mean there's not any actual football to talk about so a lot of uh, people in in media have been trying to come up with stuff that is relevant people actually want to read so mm. I'm doing a lot of that you see but there's not an awful lot of Scottish football stuff that's got done I mean it's a lot of it has just been various clubs talking about how they are now in a lot of trouble and yeah. they need some money and well uh, I'd We'll get on to that, but one thing I, I found that you said online, which I thought was quite funny, picking up on the fact that does football manager go on forever? Yeah. <laughs> and I saw Match cool. of the Day picked up on your, your tweet as well. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that, that's cool. It's a good question. And does it? It does. Football manager goes on forever. <laughs> I wonder what happens. Although one of the the downsides of that, apparently, is if you do play a game football manager forever, it still has, like, ex-club legends in a... Giving you Brilliant. like giving feedback on things, so you'll have like a four hundred year old Andy Considine saying that he doesn't agree <laughs> with your latest transfer choice, <laughs> presumably from his head inside a glass jar, like in Futurama. That'll how they preserve them. I don't know. And also with Football Manager JJ, I think they've allowed people to play for free until Wednesday twenty fifth with a Steam account as well. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Football manager making everyone's isolations a bit more interesting. If you are trapped inside and you want to play football manager, they're doing it for free. It's a thing called Steam, if you're not sure, but you can download it and then if you get stuck, you can always at me on Twitter and I'll give you a wee hand. That's fine. I don't mind doing that. Let's talk about what's coming up. We've got Stenhouse Muir's chairman uh, coming on the show um, about their brilliant community work that they're doing. Plus, we'll be continuing JJ's team of the season and starting our retro football look back. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. So we're not going to be seeing any players out in the pitch until the beginning of June at the earliest. JJ, is that hopeful or unlikely? I mean, 
you know as well as I do that I am one of the foremost experts on on pandemic <laughs> diseases <laughs> and how to uh, reschedule things. So I have no idea. I quite liked John Hartson was on a sports sound saying how um, he thinks the title should just be given to Celtic anyway, regardless of if they play again. Uh, but, but if he has, if he was a Rangers fan, he would say the same thing. <laughs> I like that. Like if I, I mean, I, I'm not a lizard, but if I was, I think I would love living in trees. But now I don't. He doesn't know that. He also said common sense house has to prevail. You, you've had Celtic come out and say that they want the season to play out. Obviously, Rangers want the season to play out, and we'll get on to it as well. Obviously, Hearts want to have their opportunity to get out of the position that they're currently in. But you can't you can't just say Celtic have to be given the title right now because there's still time for some sort of information to come out for people to make decisions, and that's the problem we're in. We don't have the information to make the decision yet. But Do you agree? The people who have the information don't know yet. It's... it's uh... Like, no one knows how long it's going to last for. This this could be... I mean, it, it sounds like it's never going to be resumed before June or something like that. I well, mean, yeah, exactly. It's 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 not it's not hopeful, and it's and it's certainly unlikely for it to happen. So the likes of Scotland's Nations League playoff, that's not going to happen. Like, it could be that we're trapped inside for, like, two years or something. No, no. It Do you think how- it could be as bad? No, 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 JJ. Do you think it's going to be as bad as that where it gets to the stage where we're not actually seeing football for 18 months? I'm going to consult my medical uh, journals now, and I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know the answer to that. Like, we, like you, do you know? Nobody knows. It, you just have to see what happens. I mean, there's likely to be more government intervention soon, so folk don't go out and about. Uh, I have read that a lot of footballers, maybe just in England, are uh, more in favour of um, playing behind closed doors than they maybe were previously. Yeah. So if they have all done isolation for 14 days and if they can be tested to prove that they are you know, safe or whatever, all the staff, all the players, if they can then prove that, then there's every chance that you could start playing games behind closed doors, maybe? Maybe that's probably... I, I don't know. I'm not an expert. That makes the most sense to me, is to, to, get, the games, to get the games played in, but then, in any way. And then way... you could charge for each game to watch, right? So you could have like... Uh, let's say Aberdeen's playing Hamilton or something. You could say, "Well, ten pounds a ticket. The money goes towards the club, and then they get, and then you get more people viewing it. It's a bit of income, helps the clubs out a bit, and you get to watch the game." Yeah, possibly. I don't, I, I don't know what implications that would be for the league on the likes of um, TV coverage and whatnot. Individual clubs being able to just, uh, I know Aberdeen, Aberdeen already have their own TV channel. Celtic Rangers alike, but. Should should the SPFL looked at the Highland League? The Highland League have already announced Broader Rangers are champions. Pretty mad. Yeah, I mean, Broader are probably going to win it anyway. <laughs> well, they're so, 13 points clear with six games to play. Aye, Loki's so that was it. And, the, the, yeah. and basically the, the, the clubs uh, involved in that league came to an agreement for this to happen. But it's not the same in the Lowland League, who are yet to declare. Uh, that is correct. The problem is then that if Bro- although Brora are confirmed champions, that they still don't know if they're going to get the chance to play the playoff. The whole point of winning that Highland League is so you can get into the playoff to then win that so you get a chance to play against whoever's going to drop out of Division 2, right? Yeah. So that's the problem. But then we don't know when, when the professional teams, or oh, Brora are professional, well, sort of, they're not really, you know, uh, to, you don't know when that's going to happen again. Everything is just pure speculation. But, I, I mean, what are you going to, I mean, 
Highland League games, they're filming on YouTube. They could easily just uh, get one of their staff who has been proven <laughs> uh, negative or to have already had the virus to go and film it. I'm just making up some sort of thing to give some people some sort of hope. There are far more important things in football just now. Yeah, of course it is. I, I, but I do think there's still a lot of questions. I, just, that... I, I win the points there for the first to be like, oh, there's more important things just to make sure... I won well game. done, JJ. Thank Congratulations. Yeah, but of course, there's more important things than, than football right now. But it's it's still the reality that, that there, there is a real lack of uncertainty as to when games are going to start. And the uncertainty then is the fear of clubs lower down in the SPFL, including clubs in the SPFL. We've already heard from Aberdeen on Monday, what is it, a £5 million um, pounds loss is it or is it it's a shortfall it, that they have to plug to be all right i did dave cormack says that they've got a five million pound of outgoings with no expected income so i mean your budgets are all made in mind with what money would come in i think he said they expected um a, a million pounds about a million pounds to come in from the four home league games and the scottish cup semi-final and then potentially after that there had been uh, season ticket sales that would come through like June, mid July, I think they start doing the early bird season tickets round about well, quite soon. I think mm-hmm. uh, monthly running costs are one point two million. So, and to assume there's no football realistically, he reckons before July, probably at the earliest. It's a long time to go without money. I'm not sure. I've not looked into it fully on the uh, what the the government announcements were to do with businesses of different sizes and whether football clubs would be covered. But you wonder whether Aberdeen might have to follow people like Hearts' decision. Well, you know, they, they want to cut wages in half at 50%. They need to have some cost-cutting measures to make it work because there is no income. So how do they possibly pay for all these things? One way we do it is that purely speculative. I don't know if there's any medical common sense or safety behind having games behind closed doors and then filming that and charging people to watch that. You have a game every single night. Imagine that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, different games. It's not on Saturday at 3pm, so you can show it. That's one. That, that sounds very, very like the Southampton chairman. What he suggested down in the right? Premier League. Yeah, go. I think some, something similar to that effect. Anyway, should we talk about Hearts, GJ, and what's been going on there? I mean, they've, they've basically asked their players, they've asked their players and staff to cut wages by fifty percent. We've seen Daniel Stendel, manager, has cut his whole salary. He's refused to take his wage, and the likes of Stephen Naismith has taken the fifty percent cut. We've also seen. Uh, defender Clevid de Camona deciding to end his contract so he can return to France and be with his family. That's 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 a level of leadership. Uh, yeah, I mean they have to save money. They're trying to make sure that they do early because again, if they take too long, like we're saying, you have to wait and see what's happening. If they take too long, it could be that they've paid out loads of money that they can't possibly afford to get back. Oh, it's a mess. I mean, a lot of these players, not a lot, some earn quite a bit of money. And so cutting their wages by half means that they're still earning a lot more than normal humans. So, I mean, Stephen you know, Naismith's probably on the top top end of Hearts, 100%. Maybe, but then it doesn't mean he didn't deserve his money, you know, all that sort of stuff. But he's got... Of course. Everyone's got mortgages and all that sort of stuff to pay off. Uh, it's difficult for all those, but you have to think that the players is one thing, but then look right into the staff who were worried about just keeping their jobs. I mean, even cleaning staff, people in the... The canteen, like all this sort of stuff around the entire club. I mean, people I know in Aberdeen who work in the community section don't know how long they can stay working because if they can't work with people, then how do they possibly sustain that? There's no income. It's part of the club and the revenue comes from other places. 
very difficult. Uh, good that Naismith has agreed to take his, his wage cut. Makes total sense to me to other players to want to go home as well. You think he'd want to do that? He's also said, I think Dickamona has also said that he would return for the start of next season. Right. And and what I took from that was, first of all, sounds like fair play. You know, of course, be with your family. But if the league was to return, and I think we're all pretty certain it's unlikely to in the summer, um, if it was to return, say we're back in June and we finish in June, or. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think then. Hearts would have many defenders, um, potentially. And the rumour of Aaron Hickey being um, lined up for a move to, um, surprise, surprise, Celtic or uh, down south. <laughs> I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Finding pastel de natas in a London cafe? Special. Winning the daily jackpot on Paddy Power Games? Not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators. Available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. One of the clubs who have been front and centre of the community building is Stenhouse Muir. And to tell us about what the club has been doing, we have Chairman Ian McMenemy on the line. Ian, it's been two weeks since your club's really kicked a ball. How is how is the team coping? How is your staff coping? And how are, how are you doing? Uh, every time somebody says it's been two weeks, um, it feels like it's been about two months. Uh, it seems to be a long time since we've, we've kicked a ball, but it's been... A really odd experience, really. It's kind of at times felt like it was happening to somebody else, not quite happening to to you or to, or to us, because you know, we could all heard about the virus and maybe hadn't hit us close to home yet. But now that we are starting to hear cases nearby and it is starting to hit home, it's becoming very, very real. But we certainly set out to just try and do what we could for our community. There's there's far greater things um, at play here than just football. So that became our focus really, was just trying to do good and help the community. What is what has the timeline been like since the in these past two weeks? So when did you first have it did you have a fear of oh games could be postponed, delayed, and then getting to the decision being made? What was what was the run up to that like? I think even though we all kinda knew that things were gathering pace I think it still came as a bit of a surprise when we literally found out on the Friday that the game the next day wasn't taking place and it seemed to be that the, the league just reacted to the, the, the Premier League and the, the uh, EFL uh, postponing their games. After that, on the Saturday itself, when we should have been playing, um, we were all on a call looking at what we could do in the community and we set up our helpline number that afternoon um, and really just got going from that weekend. So. We've really spent that last uh, week and a bit just trying to get the community number out there and trying to help people, uh, those that maybe can't get out and about or don't want to get out and about, connecting with other agencies and, and social work departments and anybody else we could really connect with just to try and find people that might need a bit of help. So we've really been, I suppose, just getting on with things uh, on a very, very daily basis, sometimes changing as uh, the advice has changed from government. Um, but it there's been a remarkable community spirit locally, which has just been fantastic. And I hope then um, that in the fullness of time that we'll be able to keep that spirit alive. 
Um, fear is probably the wrong words, but too strong. But is there any, or is there much concern from you over the future of the club? Like Dave Cormack at Aberdeen saying that uh, no club, whatever their size, scale, or investment, can withstand a lack of income for anything between three to six months. Is that relevant to yourselves as well? It is. Um, I think the the statement from them today, um, because obviously they're one of the bigger clubs, so people will, will hear about that probably before the, the plight of maybe some of the, the lower league clubs. But you could take what he said today and apply it to any club in Scotland, and just it would be on a relative scale. He's talking about you know £5 million. We had a board meeting last week and we we worked out that we were probably facing a £60,000 loss over the next three months. Now, you compare £60,000 to £5 million, you think, well, we've got nothing to worry about. But it's relative because £60,000 to us uh, will make as much of a difference than £5 million does to Aberdeen. You know, £5 million puts them under, £60,000 could put, uh, put us under. So we've got to look to try and make some savings. We've got to try and keep some revenue streams open. So I'm concerned about it. I absolutely am. And the whole board is concerned about it. But people are starting to rally around. Uh, we've got ideas as how we can try and keep things going as best we can. There will absolutely need to be some, some cuts and savings um, to keep clubs afloat because that's based on a potential three months. And if it goes on longer than that, which we, we're all coming around to the fact that it probably will, then you know it's going to be tough for a lot of clubs, including ourselves. What's the what's kind of message or, or leadership been from uh, bodies above the actual clubs? Have you as clubs within the league got together to try and work out strategies and solutions? Or do you think there's been strong enough guidance from the SFA or SPFL? Do you think more needs to be done? I'm on the record already as saying um, I'm disappointed, actually, at the um, leadership that we've we've had so far. And I think um, we are a a members organisation, both in terms of the SPFL uh, and in terms of the Scottish FA. Um, It doesn't always operate that way because... They're running competitive competitions. There's there's all sorts of commercial factors there. The Scottish FA in particular are, are regulators as well, if you like, and they, they look after discipline and, and registrations and all administration sides. So it doesn't always work that way. But I think at times like this, we need those organisations to really focus on the fact that they are here for their members and they're, they're, you know, we put people forward to, to form those those boards and groups to to look after the, the, the clubs and look after the interest of Scottish football. And I don't think we've actually had enough in terms of um, a couple of examples. One is the government grants that have been announced. I think we need somebody at league or Scottish FA level to go away and see what football is eligible for, come back and report that to the clubs and then clubs can take it forward and and do any applications. I also think um, in terms of if we're talking to players about potential wage reductions, then that should be uh, perhaps done at the league level um, with the PFA at a senior level and start to find some common ground before clubs start talking to players. So I think there's a few things like that where Scottish football authorities should be taking more of a lead and should be giving clubs that little bit more direction if there is money great but we don't expect there to be money mm-hmm. but i still think that um, there's other more practical things that could be done to help support clubs through this this period would you would you welcome then ian the the idea that's been bandied around of ending the league season now to release some sort of reward money for for league position and even then potentially you, you probably won't answer this one, but the idea of no relegation and teams below moving up. I think at this stage, 
the first thing they could do is just release the money based on the positions um, without any need to get into discussions about you know relegation formats and when they're going to actually officially end the, se- the season as it is. And then if the money is released now on positions, then there can be a an exercise in the future where those that have had too much can you know work a way to get that back and those that have had enough can get more. But I think just releasing those funds now could be just quite a straightforward process. As regards the, the the rest of it in terms of relegations and placings and all that, I'm I'm kind of at the point now where the more the more the figures are coming out, not just in in Scotland and the UK, but throughout the world, the more figures are coming out of the impact this is having on communities. Even even myself sitting here, I heard today of the third person that I personally know um, that now has uh, the coronavirus. So the more people are starting to contract it, the more the death rate is going up and we're going into these extreme measures, the less I really want to hear about people squabbling over what is the right outcome in terms of who gets crowned championships and who gets relegated. It's all really irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Senhouse Muir Chairman Ian McMenemy there. Uh, JJ, it's, I know we've kind of been back and forth with what's the right thing to do, but Ian, speaking quite candid there, seems to be for the idea of releasing money based on positions and then level it out at the official end of the season. What do you think of that? I mean, it kind of makes sense. And Ian knows far more about it than than you or I. Not well, because he's got well, he knows down the, or anything to leave, you know? But th- but this is this is the thing. To, to, to anyone who's, who's not sure about it, so the every place within the league pyramid has a a prize of money for where you finish, right? So that's what you get given. So it does kind of make sense. I mean, clearly the big. The big problems are you've got these massive clubs, Rangers and Celtic, who are arguing over who won the league and Celtic will want to play all their games so they can say officially, this is our definite league title you can't possibly claim, this isn't legit. Rangers will just do anything to try and stop that. The ba- the other big interesting one is Hearts and the amount of money that they've spent to... Uh, I mean, they've gone through a manager, they've gone through about 4,000 players and Ambud says he will take legal action if Hearts are relegated. Well, it's it's... It's it's not uh, it's one of those it's it's a position now we're in where it's ev- everything is so important and I don't think I don't think it's wise to put my personal opinion is I don't think it's wise to relegate anyone and end the season now based on the information that we have because as much as it may sound like at the moment football will not return for three months maybe longer who knows we don't know. But that's probably why the SPFL aren't making a decision right now. Exactly. But they are going to get to a point. They are going to get to a point where they have to make a decision based on the continuation of some of these clubs that need money now. And I'm looking. It was a really good quote from from Daryl Broadfoot on BBC Sportsound on Friday, where you know there needs to be a. It's called a qualified resolution, and that's based on you know all of the member clubs coming together and voting on. A decision and it's based on it's, the numbers are you know and, and these qualified resolutions are based on either adding teams to leagues or league reconstruction so the numbers are you need 90% agreement of the premiership clubs which is nine, 11 to 1 then 75% agreement of the championship clubs and an overall 75% of your 42 member clubs so like I said to Ian just at the end there self-interest gets to a point where you can't you can't really have self-interest because the interest that we have to have is the Scottish game as a whole. Right. 
so in context, it's been two weeks since this is everything's been postponed, right? So I think you've got to give at least another two weeks month before you start really thinking about making any big decisions. It could be the whole thing could look disastrous, like horrific end of world stuff within two two weeks of two a month. It could also be at the top of a peak on the way back down. You, you don't know. So there could be all these different things that happen with it. In terms of money, football clubs are worrying about where their income's coming from, but so are actual people. So, I mean, I mean a lot of my friends are all freelancers or self-employed. Mm-hmm. None mm-hmm. of them have any clue what's going to happen. Universal credits doesn't help them pay for anything. There are a lot of people in exactly the same boat. There's a lack of leadership in football. There's a lack of leadership in in politics it doesn't help anyone so everyone's looking for where their money is going to come and no one has any answers and it i think unfortunately it takes a bit of time and those in charge have to come up with some some sort of comfort or answers to those who require it so do a little jingle like my keyboard with a little jingle jj oh where is he oh is he going to do <laughs> Team of the season. No, wait, I'll do it with a better voice. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Team of the season. Very good, JJ. (laughs) Introducing our uh, exciting new... Format for team of the season. What a, what a crazy new jingle! This is this is the benefit of having um, us remotely is that you can be next to all of your toys. Yes. <laughs> JJ, I, th- I think that was that, that performance there reminded me. No, that no, I don't want that again. That performance reminded me of um, Father Bye. Ted. That Father Ted episode when they go to the Eurovision uh, song contest and he gets to that chord that he cannot play. And yeah, that was you. I hope uh, Super Producer Abby plays all of that, not just the finished off jingle. That would be me good. too. Some of my finest work there. I'm sure. <laughs> so we, it's JJ's uh, team of the season. It's his time to shine as he picks his team because he's a qualified football coach and he knows well, what he's talking mine. about. You're the one as well. Well, I'm debating with you. I'm kind of your assistant manager in all of this. So to give you the how we're doing this. There is an important clause that there can only be one player per team in the Premiership. It makes it very difficult. Just that to means be clear. JJ can't pick two Aberdeen players, which you would probably not do anyway. Or five Celtic. <laughs> well, last week you picked Jim Goodwin of St Mirren to be our manager. Yeah, to remind everyone why. So, so St Mirren are well below where they should be according to expected goals, and with the players they had from last season and what Jim Goodwin has done, I think he's done a great job. And that's why he is manager of the season. <laughs> I actually quite like him. I think he's done a really good job. Um, but he's not quite Steve Clark level. No, but anyway, Steve Clark is a, a very, very good, good manager. manager. Yeah. Today we're looking at centre-backs and goalkeeper. And we should mm. probably start with uh, goalkeeper, JJ. Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying I don't actually think he's very good. But Xander <laughs> Clark is my goalkeeper. <laughs> I don't think Xander Clark's as bad as, as you think. I think you he's had a very good second half of the season, in fact. Last season, you thought he'd be playing for Scotland. It's one of the things you said. Well, he was very good. I think I, I, I didn't say... And I remember. I was pretty confident he would fit into the Scotland squad and be a decent backup rather than a number one for Scotland. But Xander Clark is, is, is a good goalkeeper. 
That'd be good in the warm-ups or something. So why why do you say he's not very good? Because he makes Don't mistakes. just say, let's in loads of goals. <laughs> I think he's... <laughs> he stops shots, but I don't know if he's fantastic at the other things, like commanding the box and little errors here and there. It's kind of harsh, like having not watched a huge amount of him like on highlights, I just know that of the other goalkeepers, I mean, I'm trying to like... The, the whole point of this is we've gone through the, all the different teams to choose players in different positions, and the other positions made a lot of sense to me, whereas this one kind of came down to either I choose the goalkeeper from St Johnston or Ross County or Hamilton. I'm I'm assuming later on in, in the weeks to come when we pick the rest of the, the team that you're probably going to be picking an Aberdeen player um, because I would probably say Joe Lewis is and has been maybe the second best goalkeeper um, in a division because Alan McGregor, I would say, is the best. Yes. Um, and Joe Lewis would be second in that. Um, yeah, I think Fraser Forster has done very well since he come back as well. But yeah, I think Joe Lewis. I mean, could play for either the Rangers or the Celtic for mm-hmm. if he were in those teams. Uh, but it's to play the game and make sure you've got other players. And there are better players at Aberdeen who could in there. There's better players at other places. I mean, St Johnson. You've got um, Ali McCann, who's had a good breakthrough season. He's been decent. Will probably move somewhere bigger, not too far from now. Uh, whenever football returns, but. There are other players in midfield who can go in. And so that is why uh, Xander Clark is my goalkeeper of the season. <laughs> wow. Centre-backs, JJ, talk to me. Okay. I mean, there is one who rules them all, is clearly the best centre-back. And would be in, in this list anyway, regardless if it was as many players from each, play, each team as you want. You're talking Kurt Broadfoot? Incorrect. I'm talking Andrew Considine. So that's why you didn't choose Joe Lewis. Yeah. Considine genuinely, this is the best I think he's ever played for Aberdeen. He's been the most important player all season. Lewis Ferguson is probably comparable to him, but Considine has been just the the leader on the pitch. Lewis is the captain, I think. Considine is really the captain on the pitch. Uh, He's been... Excellent, whether at left back or as a centre back, they've played in all different formations this season. But he has been Aberdeen's most important player and the most consistent, and simply their best. He's even been scoring quite a few goals this season, I think. He's always scored goals. He once got one of those FIFA Ultimate Team, um, you know, the th- the special. Yeah, ones. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got one of them yeah. once. He scored a hat trick. But yeah, so that's one of my centre backs. To be clear, I'm playing a four three three slash four five one in my formation <laughs> in the season. For nice. the year. But yeah, Considine is uh, the first it's actually my first pick. <laughs> and uh who who's who's partnering? That would be Declan Gallagher of Motherwell. Hmm, decent. Added, I like that. Yeah, he's had an excellent season. One of the he moved from Livingston the summer, right? Uh yeah. and has continued his good form. Uh Y Scout have a thing on their um on the Y Scout website where it, you can go through a thing called the index where they use their statistics and just their general format. It's basically based on the statistics and the algorithms they have to give you who is the best player in certain positions. So you get their best goalkeeper, their best defender, their best lateral defender, like a fullback or something. And in the uh, in in centre backs below Goldson, Ayer, Julian, and Katic, the first player is Declan Gallagher. So it looks like my theory is backed up by actual data. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why. That's why Declan, Declan Gallagher. Gallagher. Is my other like centre back of the season. So we have we have got Jim Goodwin as manager, our goalkeeper of the season 
fake season. Is Xander Clark? We've got Andrew Considine and Declan Gallagher shoring up our defence. I mean, this is grim already. <laughs> so bad. I think so far this team is definitely getting relegated. Um, I think next week we'll probably pick fullbacks, the most exciting place in the pitch. Um, and up next, we're going to go retro. So stay with us. Retro ball. Hey there, listener. We at the Totally Scottish Football Show just wanted to let you know about this really, really cool podcast. If you have kids and need ideas with what to do now that schools are closed, check out the Stuck at Home podcast from Fun Kids Radio. Stuck at Home is full of interesting and fun things for your kids to do, and a new episode comes out every single day. It features interviews, stories, and educational elements to keep your kids occupied, and is hosted by some of Fun Kids' favourite presenters. Stuck at Home is free to download wherever you get your podcasts. So with nothing going on in modern day football, we've decided that over the next few weeks we're going to be taking a walk at a safe distance from everyone around, down memory lane to relive the good old days. This week we're setting the scene for what's going to be an epic adventure back to the 1998 World Cup. And if you don't remember what that was like, here's a quick reminder. It was the year of movie classics like Armageddon, Titanic. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. A bug's life. Let this be a lesson to all you ants. Ideas are very dangerous things. And there's something about Mary. Is that a hair gel? This was the year Bill Clinton said this. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Google came into existence. I actually had to Google that. And this was the biggest selling hit of the year. Do you believe in love after love? Yes, I do believe, Cher. And most importantly, it was the year that brought footix into our lives and we all, even Scotland, headed to France for a football carnival. Okay, the year, 1998. The team, Scotland. The target, glory. Which is never, ever going to be an achievable target. <laughs> JJ, <laughs> what, what what was your immediate memories um, back in 1998? How old were you? Uh, 1998. 14. Wait. <laughs> quick, there, quick maths there, mate. Well done. <laughs> I got it wrong as well. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I'm not very good at math. Anyway, yeah. fourteen years old, high school. So you must remember this well. Uh, I remember where I watched the Brazil games at my uh, best pal's house in a little Aberdeenshire town. We watched it in his living room, kicked the ball around. I think his sister watched it too. His sister's a very good footballer. Better. Were than you him. excited about the 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 build up to it? Were you kind of part of it? Was like, everyone talking about it? I don't remember. The first thing I remember was Euro '96. I was fascinated by that, and I remember World Cup '98 being very exciting. Um, mm. I remember not knowing much about who the players were. This is kind of at the the age I would have been where my fantasy 11s would be full of all strikers doing a Sven Goran Eriksson and naming like Christian Vieri at left back, stuff like that, <laughs> just so you can have them. But yeah, I remember um, Ronaldo because he was a star. He was a he was at Inter Milan, so this is exactly when Golazzo was like its its peak when I was watching Italian football. So yeah, that's yeah, I remember that. 
That's pretty cool. And also, this is when Zidane was absolutely unbelievable. Just yeah. ran that show, just a different class. It was great fun. It's one of all. I remember the colours being really vibrant. That's one of the things I remember about this world. That's that's what I was going to say. I just remember it being so. I don't know. It kind of embodied my childhood at the time. It, it was just all fun. Everything felt fun at that time, and just the fact that Scotland were a part of it was really really exciting. Apart from one thing, what's that? The the Scotland theme tune, the Scotland tune that we sent our players off to France. So go then out into history and show them how easy it can be. You might Don't come home too soon by Delamitri. I mean, talk about the most depressing song to send your players away to Scotland for. I mean, genuinely, like, oh, just, just please don't, just stay a little, just don't be embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this road has been travelled before, but come on, lads. And it, it's uh, it's one of the songs you hear all the way through that Craig Brown documentary that you can get online. Oh, yeah, have you wa- I've still not watched that yet. I've, I've told everyone to watch it last week, and I still haven't uh, done it myself. It's really, it's, it's really good. It's about 45 minutes too long. I think whoever cut it hadn't heard of editing before. There's it's quite a, old. Uh, yeah, I mean, but for an example, a specific example, there is a bit at 15 minutes and 14 seconds when Tony Blair starts meeting all the players, which generally, I think, would be a kind of thing where the narrator, who was Craig Brown in this documentary, would say the Prime Minister came to meet the players, and then you maybe have about five, six, seven seconds of him talking to... He talks to Colin Calderwood, he talks to uh, John Collins, and you have a bit of a chat, you get a bit of audio, you get the idea, you move on to the next bit. So it starts at 15.14, ends at 20 minutes 30. That's a good, like, five and a bit minutes of just Tony Blair having small talk with people who don't really want to be talking to him. It's really awkward. And that's an example of pretty much the entire documentary. But on the good side of it, the same way the podcasts <laughs> are quite a good medium, is that you get more than you'd normally get. Because a tight, like, half hour of TV, you miss all this stuff in the background. And you sort yeah. of see the human nuances of people when you have this extra time. So it's like a ho- it's like it's like a home video, literally as though someone on the staff, like Craig Brown's son or his auntie, has been recording the whole thing. And then that's awesome. Just, and they can't cut it on a computer that's done in VHS. It takes forever, so that's why it's so long. But it is really interesting, and you get footage from inside the changing rooms and stuff. Like before, because Brazil is obviously the opening game of the World Cup, right? It's got in Brazil. Which was bizarre, so, right? Because normally it's the host nation that kicks yeah. it off, but bizarrely, um, Scotland and, and Brazil was the first first game of the competition, which was a, which was even cooler as well. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was cool. Now, the, the other thing about that is because it was opening game, they have the ceremony. So the ceremony goes out on the on the uh, the pitch. Oh, another great thing about this Craig Brown documentary is the way he pronounces hotel. It's it's great. That's what soft Scottish hotel. Hotel. Not hotel, hotel. <laughs> I mean, and we all went to the hotel. It's great. Uh, <laughs> hotel California. Welcome to the hotel. Anyway, so that's uh, one of the things. So the the presentations go out on the pitch. So the players have to get ready, do their warm ups inside in the changing rooms. They'd never thought of that. So they can't go on the pitch to do their warm ups. They've got to do it inside the changing rooms. So you've got Jim Lee in in his pants, getting his. Like getting balls fired at him so we can catch him inside the changing room. You've got all players. They don't look quite as ripped, apart from John Collins, as other players would, and they're doing all their little warm-ups and stuff. It's one of the things I noticed. Yeah. They don't look quite as super athletic as I think the players probably do. Like Andrew <laughs> Robertson is definitely like shredded now, right? Yeah. And I, I would imagine that 
I know. I'm trying to think of an example. I don't know. Another thing that's quite interesting is that Christian Daly looks really young in it. And uh, he played so many different positions during the tournament even. But, you know, right through his career, he played everywhere. Left back, right back, centre back, midfield. It's just cool seeing all these players when they were there. It's quite a young Paul Lambert was playing that team as well. Well, JJ, hold that thought because we're going to be delving deeper into the 1998 journey, which didn't end well, but it still sticks very, very large in the memory. So get your requests and questions in for what you want to hear from us in our new little segment, Retro Ball or Retro Fit Ball. Ball. Which should be good. Ball. Sorry. Ball. Um, So just before we end, there's time for some stories that we have been especially close to our hearts and warming them as well. Uh, Andy Robertson has donated a ton of money, well, an extremely generous amount, um, supposedly, to Back On Side, who are a Scottish charity supporting those affected by mental health and challenging life circumstances. Um, It's really good work that they do. Uh, They say they're dealing with even more issues than before due to the outbreak of this virus. So it's great to see footballers getting behind important issues like this. And elsewhere, Partick Thistle have changed their name to Partick Thistle Family Club, which is nice. And they're going around delivering to the supporters who can't go out. It's just amazing um, that these football clubs are all getting around their communities. And this is something that I think is especially important when we get out of this, that we need to support our local businesses as well as our local football clubs too anyway that's all from us this week JJ thanks for everything thanks for keeping my spirits up Uh, thanks to thanks to Little Kicks for our our cool theme tune and look I hope you're all okay I hope you all stay indoors keep washing your hands but until then we'll see you next Tuesday bye bye you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show a Muddy Knees Media production For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello listeners, I'm Caroline Barker, host of The Totally Football League Show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two. Yes. <laughs> Each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. Haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media.